What happens when two dudes, one a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives, deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. We filter all of our conversations through the man box, where we unpack how as men we are expected to act in society, how fighting the authentic human experience is exhausting and damaging, and how mindfulness can help. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, here we are, another episode of Men Talking Mindfulness. John McCaskill here in Colorado Springs with my brother from another mother, Will Schneider, here in New York City. Today we're going to be having a great show. We've got tons of stuff going on. We're going to start with some announcements, but prior to that, just want to intro real quick. We've got Errol Dobler. Errol is a former Navy SEAL, former FBI agent and SWAT uh, operator. We'll be going more into that here shortly into his awesome background and what he's doing now with leadership and cold weather exposure, cold water immersion, everything about all that. Um, if you're watching now or listening later on the podcast format, hey, do us a favor, uh, do a quick screen, screenshot and share this on social media, tag us, help us to spread the word about the show and what it is we're doing. And the last thing before we bring Errol up, Will, I know we've got some big announcements that we wanna share. Yeah, you're right, John. Hey, welcome everybody to the show. This is episode seven of season three. Uh, and we do have a lot of exciting announcements. Uh, first one, we have our first merch offering, John. It's going to be pre-order that, that is live right now. Um, we'll drop that uh, link into the feed. And we have hoodies and uh, charcoal hoodies and charcoal like soft cotton t-shirts, men and women sizes that you can order right now. Uh, note, um, you know, the, this is going to... this. Um, our, our sale runs until September 6th, end of day, September 6th. And then product is not going to ship until like two to three weeks after. So we appreciate you practicing patience, right? Which is a mindfulness practice while you wait for this <laughs> exciting merchandise that we have offering, right? So there they are right there on the screen. Uh, and the link is in right there. Boom. Get your uh, MTM merch. Uh, also, we hit 10,000 downloads, John, as of today. So congrats, <laughs> yeah. congrats to everybody for making that happen. That is really, really very exciting. And uh, also, uh, I'm really excited, and John is too, um, and MTM, you know, it's nice to talk about uh, the practices of mindfulness and, and, and kind of in an academic and a theoretical way and develop this conversation. But now we have an opportunity to actually practice mindfulness. We've, we uh, have a new partnership with Movement RX, right? It's right there, boom, with, uh, with Dr. T from Movement RX and her team, as well as John and I from Men Talking Mindfulness. Uh, and we're going to be doing, uh, we're starting, um, when is this start? This is the September 15th is when this movement 21 day, um, movement and mindfulness challenge starts. Uh, we also have intro webinars. Uh, so mark your calendar on September 2nd and September 9th that you can participate in to learn more about the program. Um, so thank you so much. There's a, we have links in the feed right here. Uh, and I think that's all I have to announce, John, anything am I missing? No, I think that's it. Um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and bring Errol up on the stage into the show. Errol Dobler. How are you, man? What's up, boys? Congratulations on the partnerships. That sounds hey. exciting. 
and I will be ordering my MTM gear for sure. Heck yeah, oh, thank man. You, thank we you. should have sent you some out so you could have represented before the show, but <laughs> next time. If you next need, time. You, you, look, if you got to get more organized, I'm not sure what to, what I can say to help you, but we'll swap some gear. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, man. Hey, so by way of uh, introduction, I just want to run through your bio uh, very briefly, Earl. So I touched on this before. Errol is a former Navy SEAL platoon commander, former FBI special agent and SWAT operator, combat veteran, certified Wim Hof breathing instructor, current founder of his own leadership consulting firm, Leader 193, and the author of The Process, Art, and Science of Leadership. And uh, the, the book is all about how leaders inspire confidence and clarity in combat, in the boardroom, and at the kitchen table. I love that. Um, so before we uh, get too much into that, I just want to <laughs> I want to read an excerpt from the book. It says the science of being in the moment, which we're all about here on Man Talk and Mindfulness. You don't have to be a hippie. Um, as we've discussed, awareness and recognition are skills. We've discussed practicing the art of awareness and recognition through cold exposure and the science behind the emotional and cultural aspects of awareness and recognition, mm -hmm. all of which we're going to get into in today's show. What we need to touch on now is the skill that allows you to practice the skills of awareness and recognition, being in the moment. In the West, the notion of being in the moment has long been associated with woo-woo hippie propaganda, <laughs> monks, weirdos, and other human outliers who spend their time sitting around not contributing to society and too afraid or lazy to join the daily grind, better known as the rat race. This notion is the very reason why I include so much science in the in this process of leadership. It allows the cynics to see the importance of being in the present moment without feeling like they're being manipulated into a cult. I love that, man. So that's uh, that's one of the things we're doing here on Men Talking Mindfulness is working to break the belief that mindfulness is woo-woo, that it's some snake oil that is being sold and doesn't actually do anything. So excited, Errol, have you on the show, and we really have no idea where this is going to go because there's so many different ways it could go with your background in the SEALs, your background in the FBI, your background with Wim Hof, your leadership. Um, so we're just kind of going to roll. Um, yeah. But prior to that, we always like to kick off the show with a grounding practice. So, Will, um, over to you, brother. Yeah, I got it. Well, hey, nothing better than the breathing, breathing practice to bring us into the moment, right? So we can learn and practice and actually experience mindfulness right here right now so um we're just going to do a simple breathing technique we're going to inhale for five seconds exhale for five seconds we're going to do it for five rounds so uh even if you're driving or in a grocery store like i always say or if you're sitting at your desk maybe take your shoes off ground yourself a little bit deeper get both feet on the floor or close the eyes if that's comfortable for you and you're not you know going to injure yourself or anybody else <laughs> by closing your eyes and um we'll just simply begin <laughs> Uh, grounding your hands and your thighs. Keep your chest open so you can lift your back off the chair. We can start with a nice little exhale out the mouth and maybe, maybe wiggle your jaw a little side to side. Oh, and just get relaxed and nice and easy. And here we go. Begin with an inhale for five seconds. Four, three, two, one. And exhale through the nose nice and smooth all the way out for five, four. Nice and smooth from beginning to end. We've got a few more. Inhale for five. Try to fill the entire torso with breath. Three, two, one. Exhale. Five, four, three, 
Easy out. Good. Inhale again. Big breath. Really work for that smooth exhale for five. A couple more rounds. Inhale, five. Exhale, five. Last one. In five. Out five smoothly. Good. Resume a nice normal breath. And just take this last moment, just feel how you're feeling, right? It's not just breath awareness, but we're going to talk today with Errol is emotional awareness is so important to knowing where we are, knowing how we're feeling, and able to have, allows us to tap into also what other people are feeling and doing as well. One more big giant breath in. And exhale with that nice sigh out. And come back and welcome to the show. Awesome. Feeling good, feeling good. I tell I tell you what, guys, I really appreciate that because typically before I do anything, getting on these things or you know, you're out in front of a crowd, I always take some time to do that. And honest to God, I came walking in here, getting my stuff together. And I was like, damn it. I didn't do my breathing. <laughs> just, just a little, just a few, you know, just something to get you just grounded. Yeah. Just the first breath. I'm like, oh, thank God. I can do it right now. Hey, hey uh, in all honesty, Errol, that's, that's why Will and I do it, man, to ground ourselves. We come into this show jazzed a lot of the mm -hmm. time. And that uh, that helps us to get settled, so we can you be focused. Gotta settle it down, man. Yeah, right. so we can be focused and, and somewhat coherent. <laughs> and, yeah. and it works. And yeah. It works. Yeah. So, uh, Arrow, man, again, super excited to have you here. As you heard uh, me going through your bio there before, uh, talking about your background in SEALs, the FBI. But let's uh, let's just hear something from you, man. Uh, what what? What do you want to talk about first, and then we'll start going through your book and uh, whatever else you want to talk about, man. Uh, let's let's start with you. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate that because there is something on my. You know, normally I'd be like, hey, you know, just start rolling. And but you know, if I can just share right off the gate because I think it's going to really set up a lot of what we want to talk about. Because when we do this mindfulness stuff and we you know yoga and breathing, and everybody's like, I'm pretty sure it works. But I can't prove it, right? And, and, and how do you convince somebody who's not convinced? So I recently, so back when I got medically discharged from the teams, I had a couple of real big falls. We, we were doing some training. We were doing some mountain training and uh, up in Northern California. And the first one, among other ones, well, I went into the door. I was the second guy, and there was no floor. And so I took a header into concrete from about 12 feet and this is Jeez. back in 1998, so we weren't wearing helmets, right? And um, the story behind that, how it was like, hey, can you finish the training? We'll go get you stitched up. And then the aftermath. But then on deployment, <clears throat> uh, we were doing VBSS. One of the few, you know, this is back now in 1999. Not a lot of work to go around back then. We actually got tasked with a real operation, a VBSS. So we did so rehearsal. Real for uh, for our non-seal <laughs> listeners, visit but board you, search and Caesar, right? There you go. Yeah, and that just that just means that there's a there's a cargo ship going someplace that it shouldn't be going 
with stuff on it that it shouldn't have, right? Munitions and things like that. And then they say, okay, you're out there. You need to, you need to take this shit down, stop it, board it, and inspect it. And we need, you know, there's a chance that there could be violence. So they call the SEALs to do that. That's our, that's our bread and butter. And so when I was climbing, I know it was a 30-foot climb because the caving ladder is 30 feet. Okay, so as we hook up and we're climbing, I'm about to pull myself over. The uh, caving ladder uh, breaks, and I come flying down into the boat. Again, good stories. We could spend an hour on those stories alone. But the point is I had some pretty serious blunt force trauma, along with some other things, got medically discharged. Back then, they're kind of like, hey, you look okay, but you know, we're going to send you on your way. So off you go. So I spend the next 20 years with this brain injury that I don't know about. And, and so fast forward, I meet this guy, Dr. John Hughes, meet him randomly at a, like literally a cocktail party. And he's talking about, he's a specialist in TBI and how he's developed this protocol. It's non-pharmaceutical, blah, blah, blah. I share my story with him just to make conversation. He asked me to come in for a brain scan. Okay, I promise I'm getting somewhere on our thing, guys. So if I'm going all already good, too far, all good. So it's not a CT and it's not an MRI. It's something called a Wabi scan, which has been around a while, but a Wabi scan does a unique scan of the brain. He punches out the results, which come out immediately, and he goes, "Okay, you see this blue area in your brain?" And I say, "Yeah," because there's a lot, because that's the area of your brain that's responsible for processing emotions. I said, okay. He goes, the blue indicates that it's dormant. It doesn't work. And I was like, huh, right? And I'm thinking, so he says, and we had a conversation. He goes, well, this, and this explains your challenge that you explained to me for the last 20 years with your struggle to process emotions and, and, and kind of deal with some things in, in really a normal way. So I could have stopped there. I was like, okay, there's, it's not just me. There, there's a reason I got injured and, and, he goes, well, that's not the end of the story, though. He goes, do you see these two sine curves in perfect sync? Said, yeah. He goes, that's your heart wave and your brain wave in perfect sync. I go, cool. He goes, that's only, we see that in people who are in meditative practices. Right? And oh, so wow. he knew, I explained to him about Wim Hof, and he goes, so yeah, all of your stuff with Wim Hof and the breathing and the cold exposure, that explains that. And I said, all right, cool. Hey, there's something, a little science to say it works a little bit. Because we're not done. Because you see this red area in your brain. He said, yes. He goes, that indicates that your brain is in the alpha state. The alpha state is the perfect state for the brain to be in. It means it's relaxed and calm, yet attentive and ready to act. I was like, okay, I'm awesome. He goes, all right, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're not putting it together. I said, I know, I get it. I understand. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, brain wave and uh, heart wave in perfect sync. Brain in alpha state is completely inconsistent with your inability to properly process emotions. He said, Errol, your brain, the way it looks now with that blue, you should be a statistic. Mm. At the very least, your life should be in a very, very dark place based on that part of it. He goes, the work you've done on yourself, your meditative practice, your breathing, 
your awareness of emotions and how you act on those emotions, your leadership process that you developed has literally saved your life. Wow. And so then the next part was, now let me take you to the next thing. And that's a whole nother story. I started his natural non-pharmaceutical protocol. We took a brain scan like a month later, right? And the blue is almost gone. Okay, so that means the brain is coming back to life. Areas in the brain, he's like, okay, you see in the first scan, this is only like five megahertz of energy. And on this scan, the second scan, it's 30, right? It was unbelievable. The point for us, though, is he literally said, based on what he had seen, the mindfulness practices saved my life. And there's the science to prove it. So I, I thought you guys would enjoy that because. It's validation, right? It's yeah. no longer, oh, I feel this way. Tell me how you feel. It's, come on, trust me, it works. No, no, no. There was the science. There's the brain injury. There's the other side. There's the alpha state. And the, you know. So anyway, I don't know. Maybe a good place to start. Maybe a good yeah. place to move well, no, uh, I think, you, you hey, I think we can that. wrap up the show right there. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Right? <laughs> All right. Well, good, great job. Save life. <laughs> well, you talk about that in your book, Errol, neuroplasticity, right? The ability for the brain to change, right? And the more you put the practice in, whether it's cold exposure, meditation, breathing practices, or that combination, right? Things are going to start to change in your brain. And here you are because of those practices. And like like you said, it's 20 years later, right? Because you didn't really start to doing the more of the Wim Hof stuff and stuff until 2019 or 2017, right? So this yeah. is relatively new for you, right? So the well, yeah, yeah, yes, and, and no. So it's kind of a combination. So after I left the teams, right? So I, I was on with Mark Devine, who's a great guy. I, I don't know if you know him, John. Yeah, sure uh, do. If you great guy. And I was just going, we were going through the story of the injuries. And, and like I lead off in the book, all of the bad decisions that I had begun to make that was kind of really, they were just bad decisions and they hurt you professionally and personally. And, you know, he, he just said, he goes, well, are these decisions after the injuries? And I said, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He goes, well, maybe you should cut yourself a little slack because that could have been the, the head injuries. Right. And I had never even considered that. What happened was, I left the SEAL teams feeling disgraced. Now, that was how I felt. Nobody made me feel that way. I left not on my terms, right? I was in a very bad marriage, personal situation, and, you know, just began to chip away at each other. I wasn't acting right. I wasn't thinking right. Medically discharged, I leave, and I kind of felt, felt like, how did this happen? You know, how did I leave something I loved so much? completely not on my terms and how is it that I was making some of these bad decisions yet at the same time I was making really good decisions right good decisions where people say well you know you're you know you're as good as we've seen at this thing and but yet sometimes you do this stuff so to your point will I started that process because I was I was just obsessed with why was I doing the things I was doing and that kind of led to the development of my leadership process right beginning I realized Every time I did something stupid, it was because I wasn't aware of the emotion that was driving me. Oh, wow. Every time I did something really good, I was 100% aware of the emotion that was driving me. So oddly enough, it was in operational settings, John, where I was making really good decisions because that just innate ability to go, oh, shit, what's happening right now? Okay, I'm a little 
scared, acknowledging it, let me just chill out, make some decisions, right? And so that mindfulness, really, I, I just developed it along the way. And then that's how I kind of got my process. And then when I started doing Wim Hof, okay, my wife, literally, after a week of me doing the practice, she's like, I'm not sure what this thing you're doing is, but you're never allowed to stop. <laughs> and I, was like, well, I was like, well, why? That's so, science right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's all that matters. Forget the brain scans. And your wife said, that's it. Right? Amen. Good. Amen. <laughs> so she was like, you know, look, the stress is still there. We had just, we had left the FBI. We were working without a net, man, right? our business we had the kids and she was like the stress is still here and you're always very aware of of what your emotion is and we see you trying to keep it under control but there's always that bubbling up that inner bubbling up and she goes you just seem calmer right you just seem like you're handling it better um so that was the Wim Hof and the breathe that took it to the next level and then that story I led with kind of put it all together it was like okay this validates everything. This validates the process beginning with emotions and how, what drives those actions, right? Because that's all I was about for 20 years. Focused on my emotion, the action it was going to drive, and just be conscious of the decision. Because if you're not, you're going to make another stupid decision, right? So, yeah. So, yeah, so you talk about that a, a good bit in the book. Specifically, you talk about the when you were going through free, free for all training. Uh, right. You know, for again, for for those who don't know what that is, that's the parachute parachute training. And you talked about your unacknowledged emotions and how that had potentially deadly consequences for you, um, right. and and how they could have potentially deadly consequences for others. And I love that you delved into that, and then that you were able to take a step back and think about those emotions. And you talk quite a, a lot about that as well. The metacognition, the, the, you know, your feelings about your feelings, your thoughts about your thoughts, your emotions about your emotions. Yep. And you'll see where I'm going here in a second. Um, the cold exposure that you talk about, the, the cold, the ice baths or the cold showers. Um, we'll get into Wim Hof a little bit more here shortly, but just talking about cold exposure. Can you talk about what happens to your body and and your mind? So what's happening physiologically and then psychologically with getting yeah. into those showers or those those ice baths or before getting into those? You talk quite a bit about that in the book as well. Yeah. So let, I mean, let's just start with the, the basic stuff physiologically, right? Because especially now uh, where we are today with people just flipping out over COVID and things like that. And, and again, so anything I say um, that sounds like, well, that's a, that's a stretch. It's backed up by Wim Hof's science that's all on his website. So I'm not going to say anything and speculate. If I say something, I'll be able to say, all right, let's go to the science that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, physiologically, right? When you get into an ice bath, what happens? Everything tightens up, right? Your veins tighten up. All your internal organs, your physiology, all starts reacting in a certain way, okay? And then as you stay in and you get calm, and that'll be kind of the next part we talk about, but everything starts to relax. Your veins start to open up a little bit. Your internal organs start to relax a little bit. What's happening? They're getting a workout. They're getting exercised, okay? And that 
by definition, is strengthening all of the things that contribute to your innate immune system. So you are strengthening your immune system literally by being cold. You know, and forget about the mindfulness and forget about taking it to the next level. Get cold. You're doing that. I think uh, some of the science says, and you don't have to get into an ice bath for 10 minutes, right? I think they said cold showers as as warm as like 58 degrees a couple times a week, you're already going to start to see a significant change in the strengthening of your immune system. So that's the first thing, physiologically, what we do. Now, how do we take that to the next level, right? And the awareness portion. So when we get in, right, you get in, you're going to have a natural physiological reaction. Ah, I got to get out of here, right? That's your fight or flight, jumping in, right? And that's natural. And, and that's the first thing we tell people in the seminars we do. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't judge yourself. You're not a big pussy if you're like, oh, right? It's just what happens, okay? But again, as long as you recognize that and say, okay, this is just what happens. I don't have to get bent out of shape about this. And then we say, exhale, right? Because that's going to be the hardest part. Because everybody's going to be like, <laughs> right? Get that first exhale. Start activating that vagus nerve, right? Now we know we talked off screen about uh, what the exhale does, it increases your CO2. And now we know that that serves to relax you. It all is coming together, right? And then once you start doing that, you're going to more quickly open up your veins and relax your internal organs, right? And you're going to go from a fight or flight to a rest and digest, okay? And now you're exercising your autonomic nervous system. Those are the elements of it, okay? Mm -hmm. So you're getting stronger physiologically for our purposes, right? From a leadership standpoint, how do you practice something like mindfulness? Even that, even, even the grounding you did beforehand, right? Even the best people and you guys are as good as they come, your mind will wander during some of those things, right? You're, you're doing your breathing and all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, we're, we're going on in a couple of minutes. Oh, wait, wait, let me get back to where we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You saw never it. Happens, right? never. <laughs> never happens, right? We never lose focus. No. <laughs> Here, here's the thing about the cold, right? You, you can do your breathing. You can do your meditation. Some days are better than others, right? Some days you're just hitting it. Some days you're not. You can't hide from the cold. If you if your mind is somewhere else on what I'm doing after this or what it, or if it's on like this is the worst thing ever this is so cold you're not going to survive you're going to be in there like this muscling through it if and this is just simply a fact give it a try if you get in and you focus on one thing your breath and when your mind moves away from your breath to this sucks. This is so cold. How long do I have to stay in here? What's my to-do list? You're, you're in for it. You're not going to be relaxed in there. So if you recognize your mind moves away from your breath, you bring it back. Guaranteed 100%, you will get relaxed in a bucket full of ice. You will actually start to get comfortable. Okay. And as time goes on, your veins will strengthen themselves and you'll be able to stay in even longer and longer because your fingers won't hurt. Right? It's not an ego exercise. I get out when I get too cold, right? It's not <laughs> where, my, where my fingers hurt. So it's not about, it's not about that. So how do you practice mindfulness? Yeah, you do it. But what's a really intense way to practice mindfulness where you know whether you're working it or not? There's no, 
there's no hiding. You get into that cult. So that's kind of the spirit of the cult. Again, how do you practice those emotions, awareness? Yeah. Get into an ice bath with the intention of understanding how you feel. Because guaranteed, before you jump into an ice bath, you are going to have an emotion. And you're <laughs> going to have an emotion when you get in. And you're going to have an emotion after you get out. So, you know, that's kind of where I am on, on the cold. No, th- thanks, Errol. It's like, you know, in, in previous shows, we've talked about the STIA process, right? This is with Dr. Seth. It's like STIA situation, or sorry, stimulus, thought emotion, action, right? You'd break it down in the book in the, in the same way, right? Yep, so we have yep. the stimulus, right? But we're really trying to hack in and not have, you know, the thought and the thinking going, which drives emotion, which brings forth action, like get me the fuck out of here, right? That's right. And that's, that's right. why the cold is so important. You know, before we move on with emotion, I love in the book how you talk about emotional addiction, right? Mm-hmm. And how that right. hinders so many different leaders in so many different situations. So um, could you just kind of, break down emotional addiction and, and yeah. how it's just destruction destructive for leadership like again at the kitchen table or at the office yeah for sure because it's it's so important um when we're unaware of our emotions there, there's a guy who's he's he's long since died his name is dr john sarano and he's the one who introduced the idea of the unconscious emotion right the emotions that you don't acknowledge they're living they're not going to be ignored and he says they're, they're stored what we call our unconscious mind, right? And so people get the back pain, the shoulder pain. Guess what? Right? That's probably some sort of unacknowledged emotion, you know, making itself known. In any event, when we just act without understanding the basis of our action, right? When we don't have emotional awareness and recognition, we just act. Okay, let's say typically those actions are going to be in some form of negativity right and we act that way and then all of a sudden that becomes where our brain begins to wire right so john says something and i go god can you believe what he just said i'm so mad at him now i'm doing that right now i'm mad okay and then the next day i talk to will and Will says, hey, did you talk to John Lee? I said, yeah, I talked to John Lee. I talked to him <laughs> yesterday. And I am so mad at him, okay? A week later, right? Because what's happening, every time you act on an emotion, your brain starts to wire itself for that cause, okay? So now your brain is starting to hardwire towards that anger. And all of a sudden, I don't even start thinking about John and how angry I am with him anymore because I'm still thinking about it month. I'm now addicted to that emotion of anger because I'm hardwired for it. Your body sends a chemical to your body. Your brain sends a chemical to your body that says, oh, oh, where's that anger? I need some of that anger. Fill me up here. (laughs) Now, I don't care about John. I'm looking at anything in my environment to justify and satisfy that addiction. Okay? Mm -hmm. The more it happens, the tighter you wire your brain to that. And now that just becomes who you are. And if you think about it now, you are predicting what's going to happen in your future based on what happened in the past. Wow. John made me mad. And now I got mad. And I decided to stay mad. And you know what? I can now predict tomorrow how I'm going to feel. Mad. <laughs> and I can predict in a month from now how I'm going to feel. Mad. Mad. Because <laughs> the science tells us 
that that's how now you have wired your brain and you have become chemically addicted to that emotion. And then that's just the way it goes. So people wonder why. They're like, oh, that's just the way I am. That's the way I was born. That's, those are my genetics. Bullshit. That is how you've wired your brain. Now, you may have learned that behavior from your upbringing, and that's just normal to you. It's the same thing. Okay, but now the excuse, the good news is if you're like, and sometimes I feel like I'm kind of a jerk. Okay, you good news. You can undo that. You can rewire it with some mindfulness. Bad news for the people who use that as an excuse. Just the way I'm wired, man. <laughs> no, it's just how you're letting yourself stay wired. So that's kind of the, the science behind that thing. What I really enjoyed in the book is in that you kind of use that same example in the book. And uh, you said, you know, uh, if you if you go looking for that fix of anger and you find someone who doesn't give you that fix, mm. like, hey, like you go to Will and you're like, oh, yeah, I talked to John and, and this is what he said. And, and Will's like, well, you know, that's actually not I that bad. John. Then you're like, <laughs> then then you get even more angry. You're like, oh, but, well, but I did, then now, now, Will, fix. now, Will, I'm so angry at Will. So I get it. I can create it anywhere I want. Right. Oh, Will, yeah. what do you know? <laughs> just <laughs> so so talking about that the addiction to those different emotions like you're looking for you know a fix for anger or whatever you tie that emotional awareness to leadership um can you talk to how important that emotional awareness is as a leader and how to develop that emotional awareness yeah, it, it, it is in my view, right? And, and, and when I talk about these things, I, generally people don't disagree after they hear my explanation, right? They may have some other philosophy that they think is more important. But in my view, <clears throat> the emotional awareness, the leader's emotional awareness, first starting with themselves, I, I just don't think there's anything more important. Because by definition, if you're leading something, there's going to be elements of stress, right? In every capacity. Okay, and if we're not aware of the fact that that stress is driving some fear, is driving some insecurity, right, and then that's going to drive a certain action, then we are just simply going to act. And here's another fact, okay, what you do, your people will do. You can you can think all you want that that's not true, and even if you're a follower of somebody, to a degree, and I've seen it a thousand times. If you are being led by a big jerk, there's going to be times where you emulate that because you're feeling lazy and you're feeling like, well, you know what? Everybody else is acting that way and I'm going to do it today. But it's just it's going to happen. OK, right. now, if you have that in yourself, you are setting again, it's all cliche, but it, it's, it's cliche for a reason because it's real. You are setting the proper behavioral environment. OK. People are looking to you and saying, you know, this, this guy or girl, they always just seem to be in tune to how they're feeling now. And I think, Will, you mentioned it in the beginning. Once we do that for ourselves, we become acutely in tune to what yeah. everybody else is feeling. Oh. And once we do that, that's when we can really start leading, right? Because we now have an awareness. So, again, I'm leading, right? And all of a sudden, John, on this day, flies off the handle, right? He says something totally out of character. Maybe he tells me to go pack sand and stick it in my ear. Instead of... <laughs> nice way to say that, Errol. Very nice. Very well done. 
Yeah, I already threw one F bomb out there. I think. So I mean, and the P word. That's, that's new to the show. The P word. We're raw, uncut, and un- unapologetic. You said it, not me. <laughs> Where was I? I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, you're talking about. Um, All right. You know, so John, yeah, so John, John does something that's you know totally out of character. If I'm not aware of these things as a leader, right, I'm probably going to focus on that action. Hey, hey, don't talk to me like that, John. That's not you know. Instead, when I'm aware of these emotions, right, I can say, hmm, that's not like John. Something else is going on. I wonder what he's feeling that would drive him to act that way. And now I can ask a real question. Hey, John, come here, man. Are you okay? Is everything okay? Don't worry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, forget about that. Don't worry about what you said. I'm more concerned with why you said it. Are you okay? Is there anything? Now, in true fashion, most people are going to go, no, everything's fine. I'm just sorry. Okay. But they know that you just asked the real question. They know that you just said, I care about you as an individual, okay? And I'm going to let this thing slide for now. Look, you can't keep doing that. You can't keep calling me an a-hole in front of everybody. But And eventually, they're going to come to you and say, you know what, man, I'm sorry. Everything's not okay. And then my friend is sick, you know, my mom, whatever it is. Hey, okay, cool. Now we can start making real leadership adjustments. Do you need, why don't you go home? I go home. Well, yeah. Take a couple of days, whatever it is. We're not dealing with that nonsense because John said something mean to me. So anyway, in my view, that's the importance of emotional awareness. You're setting the example from within and you start recognizing it on the outside, then you can start really making good leadership decisions and having good, good discussions with people. Yeah. But also yeah. seeing, well, seeing yourself as a human being, as a flawed human being and like having an emotional mm-hmm. life and understanding that we at our core were emotional beings and having the awareness and, and doing the practices to become more aware of ourselves emotionally. Now we begin to see other people as human beings, right? Yeah. Which is so incredibly important. It's not about the bottom line. It's like, how do we get there as a group on this mission in order to achieve a goal, right? And it like, and just by, just, I love Errol, I get a little hives here, just by saying, hey, stopping and be like, how you doing, right? Yeah. Just kind of puts everything, you know, all like the, you know, the, um, the deadlines and stuff like that, uh, just away on the shelf in order to yeah. be here one-on-one with another person. And it's like, and, and just by acknowledging or even asking that question, um, you'll see that person that works for you, like begin to respond to you in a different way. So just like, 100%. thank you so much for, yeah. Thank you so much for, for bringing that up. It's really important. And, it's and John, just, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you, you, you go for it, man. You're the guest brother. <laughs> well, I, but I was going to, I was going to say, you know, when, when we talk about the SEAL teams, right. And, and all of these things and, you know, everybody's got a different definition of how the SEALs acted. Right. But, but what I tell people is, if I say the three things that I think the SEALs do and how they behave, they may be different from what John says, but he'll he'll listen to me and go, yeah, no, he's accurate. But I, I, I like mine better. And one of the things I say about the SEAL teams is they operated unemotionally and methodically. And what do we mean by that? It doesn't mean that 
we don't have emotion. As a matter of fact, the seal, the seals that I, when I was in the teams, right, they're the most emotional people, right, and they're the most fun people. But when it came down to business, right, they said, okay, time to put that stuff aside. It's time to start making the plan, making the contingencies, and all of that emotion stuff needs to be put to the side. Okay. Now, did we say that? Right? Did we say, let's be aware of our emotions? Well, not when I was there. Okay. But <laughs> but what did happen no. was if somebody came to the table and started losing their mind and started saying, whatever it is, acting the fool, somebody was invariably going to say, hey, man, get your shit together. Go outside and get it together and come back when you're ready. Translation, get in touch with your emotion, understand how it's driving you to act, and then make the decision how we need that. Because this is how we do business here. John, I don't am I too off base? Was that in your in your experience uh, or 100 percent man? 100 percent Yeah, the uh there was a lot of get your shit together, Lieutenant McCaskill, back in the day. Right. <laughs> right. Translation. Translation. Check your emotion, you know, and For start sure. acting right on it. So sure, anyway, man. I digress, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I love it, man. Um, and uh, what I was just going to offer uh, a little while ago about how your emotions and how you say something to somebody can completely turn them around. I recently had an example uh, completely outside of the SEAL teams, just out here in civilian life in Colorado Springs, actually in Monument, which is even smaller. Um, I, I was at a red light and this car was stopped, obviously at the red light. Light turns green. And, you know, I'm not normally an impatient person. Light turns green, the car's waiting, car's waiting, car's waiting. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to bump my horn just to say, hey, heads up, lights turn green, bump the horn. And this dude jumps out of the car. And he's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. He's like, dude, the car's broken down. (laughs) And like my, my initial... My initial instinct is, oh, hell no, dude. You didn't just get out of your car at me. But, but then, <laughs> but then I'm like, shit together, oh. Lieutenant. I'm yeah, right. Kidding. But then I'm like, all right, um, all right, let me let me just take stock. All right, take a breath. So I pull up next to him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't realize the car was broken down. Do you need any help? And the dude, like, like a switch. It was crazy. Like a switch was flicked. And he went from this total asshole to, oh, no, man, I'm I'm good. I'm just going to push it off the road. It was crazy, but that we see all the time right. in, in our work lives, in our family lives, with our friends. If we say something or we or something is said to us, we instantly get on the defensive. That's the right. stimulus and the emotion, and now we have to be in charge of our action, right? And if we take charge, we take control, we notice what emotion is happening, but we take a different action than what may be anticipated, that can completely flip somebody else's action and how they are feeling at work, in family, and in life in general. So it's pretty wild to see. Not not can, will. It will will flip the script. I I just think, I think there's no doubt about it. I was, and, and, and we talk about, right? How are you now conditioning your brain? What are you becoming emotionally addicted to are you becoming emotionally addicted to every time somebody says something to disrespect you you're like f you i'm not doing right i'm saying look that it's the same thing right that is now and now you're going to always be looking for something in your environment to challenge somebody you've just insulted me right I, i did a little man and it comes and goes don't look it's not perfect but i remember one time i was at the supermarket pretty recently 
And this poor girl <laughs> at the counter, she, she, she was just having a bad day. And she had said a couple things to me. The first one, I just let it go, right? Second one, you kind of notice it. You're like, oh, that was the second one. Let it go. She said something. Then there was some other assaholic comment. And I, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm kind of feeling like I need to address this in some way. And, and I just kind of went, right? I kind of ate my own dog food. I said, are you okay? And literally, she goes, no, I'm not. I'm having a terrible day. And you know what? I'm sorry I'm being so rude. I mean, because wow. part of my instinct was, oh, I'm sorry. Am I bothering you for doing your job? Right? But again, I had to check myself. That was my emotion. What's my instinctual action? That is not a good action. How do I want to behave? Right? All right. the things in, in my book. Um, but again, it flips the script. And I don't know what happened after I left. Hopefully, she was like, oh, I need to lighten up on people. I might get into whatever it was. But I just I think, can guarantee it, it changed her day, though. From there on out, her day was probably that. completely different. Just having somebody ask that simple question. And that's yeah. uh, that's what that's what good leaders do is being in touch with that that uh, the emotions, and uh, that's actually Will and I talked uh, on several episodes about leaders versus bosses, mm -hmm. and what the difference is there, and a lot of the time, the the bosses are kind of like cracking that whip trying to reach the bottom line, whereas the leaders are part of that team, and are asking those important questions so that yeah. they know where their people are having that compassion. For the people in their team, it's 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 a powerful tool to have. Again, you know, back to our original, you know, how we got on this. You know, can we talk about the importance of that emotional awareness and recognition and understanding the action some of those intuitively drive? You know, I talk very candidly in my book about, to your point, I guess, bosses, right? The FBI. Yeah. Um, oh it's God, just, yeah. Look, Tim. And, and, and Tim, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote, Tim. <laughs> His name actually might have been Tim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, it just was—it was disheartening. Um, and and to see it on such a large level, and and I make the distinction again between two pretty interesting organizations to be a part of, the, the teams and the FBI. And I'm always clear, some of the best leaders I met were in the FBI. If I've got to, if I've got to grab five people and go get after it, you know, off the top of my head, three of them are going to be FBI agents. And the other two are going to be other guys that I serve with in teams or whatever. Um, but that said, the overriding culture was that of, to, your, to use your language, bosses, not leaders. And, and it, was just, it was just bent in insecurity. Uh, nobody else can have a better idea or a different idea, or you're going to do what I say because I say it. And yeah. it, it just gets hard. And when we talk about culture and cultural awareness and recognition, what makes a culture right in my mind is the things you do. And, you know, when I get people to talk about how they want to build a culture, right, we, we break it down. And sometimes I'll, so I work with real big companies, right? And, and those big companies, the bureaucracy drives people crazy. And this is where I start to toe, toe the line a little bit. I'm like, look, this is what the company does. There's, you can't change it. It's too big, right? This is the bureaucracy. It's always been this way. And these things are part of its culture. If you can't live with it, 
you've got some decisions to make because that means you are not a cultural fit, okay? If you can't dismiss some of the things that drive you crazy and, and focus on some of the more positive things, you, you've got to make a decision because now you're just going to sit there and, and be miserable and hardwire yourself to that. Fortunately, I don't have people go, you know what? You're right. I'm going to quit. And then the guy who hires me is like, what did you just <laughs> They just told me. But the point is, it's it's destructive. And it can be destructive. And you, you, you'll, you're you going to start losing people if you do the boss route and not the leader route. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So uh, just in kind of the interest of time here, because I, I know you're up against a hard stop arrow here uh, shortly. But uh, I want to ask just a few more questions, and then we'll get into our closing grounding practice. Yeah. Um, but you you talk about obviously the, the name of your book is the process, art, and science of leadership. You talk a lot about that in the corporate world. You talk about that in the SEAL teams. You talk about that in the FBI. You also mention how you apply that in your family. And yeah. I know a lot of the people that watch and listen are family people. How do you apply the process, art, and leadership? Mm -hmm. uh, or science of leadership in your family the the exact same way and and what you know look when i wrote the book i i intended it to be very academic right and then i realized i've got to throw in a couple of stories right to bring my point home and make it a little entertaining uh, but what, but what i what i hoped above all was that it it, it hit people at home okay because again it's cliche but it's cliche for a reason. Home is where the most important leadership stuff happens. And home is where people forget the leadership practices, right? If you um, think about it, right? Home is my safe place. I have people who say that to me all the time. And I say, all right, well, what does that mean? So, well, I should be able to go home and vent, right? People should understand, right? And I should be able to go home and get a drink and, and, and decompress from the day without anybody bothering me. People should, you know, that, 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 that's my safe space. And I'm like, well, that sounds like your safe space. Doesn't sound like anybody else's safe space, though. Mm, you know, yeah. have you ever taken a chance to look over your shoulder and the destruction you left behind with your safe space? And you say that to people and they're like, ooh, right? Isn't home the place where you should really be representing these things? Okay, emotional awareness and recognition. Hey, wife, I'm feeling real bad right now. I had a terrible day. Can you can you give me a minute? Right. The answer might be I can't because I've been with these three maniac kids all day and I need these things going on. So thank you for asking. But the answer is no. Fine. I got it. I've got it. I got to keep it going a little more. Okay. That little bit of communication around emotional awareness and recognition. You don't think that matters. You don't think that when you do that, after that happens, and you and your wife get together, and she goes, I appreciate you telling me that, and I'm really sorry that I had to put it to you because we, I, I just needed it. No problem, right? That's the safe space to be able to express without judgment, without repercussion, those emotions that drive actions. That's what makes it a safe space, not your ability to act like a fool anytime you want. That's not what makes it safe. That makes it unsafe. OK, so look, and it's not easy at home. Right. Those are the real raw ones. Yeah. If you got kids, you know, you got a relationship. 
and it can go sideways sometimes, and it's nobody's fault. But when we are focused on these elements, emotional awareness and recognition, you can at least go back and go, all right, time out. I'm sorry, I just did that. I just said that, and that's the way I acted, and I'm sorry. You know, instead of, well, I, I'm not going to apologize, because if I apologize for this, eh, you know, who knows, right? <laughs> Again, it happens all the time, right? If you think about it, those little internal battles you go through, because we let our egos get in the way, and we let our emotion, our insecurity get in the way. Right? That emotion, that's right, insecurity about how am I going to look if I apologize? I remember a long time ago, I heard somebody say, you should never apologize to your people in a leadership position, because that'll show weakness. Oh yes, remember, I got I told that at Buds. I got told that at yes. Buds. Yes, that's, that's I, fucked so up. So I, messed up. I, you know, I remember thinking, I'm not going to go against a whole lot of this, but I'm not so sure I'm down with that one, <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> yeah. just not, but if you think about it, the same principle at home. How many times are people saying, I can't apologize to my three-year-old or my four-year-old because that'll just make me look like I'm, I'm the grown up because I'm the grown up. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. And I find myself, if you're, if your mindset is around, I'm going to apologize to anybody that deserves an apology in my house to include my four-year-old, my five-year-old or whatever it is. Cause guess what happens? They're not sure how to process that. They're always going to say, Oh, it's okay, daddy. Right. But what are you doing? You are now setting an environment where it's right. okay to apologize. So right. sometimes I have to tell my kids, you know, because they'll do something, right? They'll spill their water or whatever. They'll be like, I'm sorry. We don't get on them for that. But the instinct is to say, I may have done something to hurt you. Let me apologize. I think things could be worse, <laughs> right? Yeah. In life. Yeah. So it, we at home, we we put our monies where our money where our mouth is as best we can with this process at home. And I, and I encourage everybody else to just consider some of the things we talked about. Yeah. Th thanks for that, uh, Errol. And it's like one thing I've learned some of the training I've done to become a better person, better leader, better man, better teacher is like, you know, the home is where it's safe and the best place to practice these skills because it's a yeah. safe environment. It's people you're closest with and you have that, you know, that bond, that natural bond that comes with family to really be able to be like, Hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. Let's try again. Right, um, that vulnerability you know, creates yeah. a bond. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and the authenticity and all that kind of stuff that we talk consistently about the show. Um, yeah. One thing, you know, you've said the word action probably about 25 times or 50 times during the show. Um, <laughs> and you talk about that. You tell a great story about action in the book about you're going through your uh, buds training and, you know, some uh, a trainer pulled you aside and it's like, look, take action. How is it important? Yeah. How important is in at home or in the workplace? that taking swift action is and like where does non-action kind of leave us as well? We only have a, like a few minutes, but I wonder if you yeah. can kind of give us a nice little nugget on that. Yeah, I, I can take a quick 15 minutes on that one. So we'll have you back, Errol, but, we'll have you back, Errol it, we can talk about action all day. But it's an important question and here's why, because what we're talking, what we've talked about a lot is this awareness and mindfulness and understanding at some point an action needs to happen. Right. You just have to you have to do an action because that is what is going to begin that true hardwiring of the brain. So action is essential to the back end of all of this work we do up front. 
right? I'm feeling this way. It's going to drive me to do this thing I don't want to do. I've decided I want to behave in this way. Now it's time to behave in that way, okay? The, the recognition of these things will start the rewiring of the brain. The action will accelerate that rewiring of the brain. So in that oh. nutshell, that's the importance of action. Yeah. Right. Whereas like if we don't take action, like then what happens? What, what are we left with if we're like, you know, somebody at work tells you to, to fuck off or something like that or, you know, or like probably a bad example. But you know what I mean? And you don't right, kind of respond in that situation. Like where are we left with inaction? Well, inaction is a form of action, right? To a degree. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. That, means, that means you have just, you're, you've sat there stuck, right? Now, yeah. it depends on what's going on internally. Your inaction to an outward person could look like inaction. But if internally you're acting saying, no, no, my action is just going to sit here and ignore that person or keep a straight face. Cool. That is an action. Right. As right. long yeah. as you've decided what that's going to be and executed it, right? So again, but if your inaction is just blank, it's like, oh, I don't know what to do or what to say or what to think. And you don't go back to the beginning of the process, go, okay, wait, that makes me feel very angry. That makes me feel very insecure. And now how am I acting? I'm freezing up. It's not how I want to be. I want to do something. Let me just get up and, and walk away. You are now, you're conscious. You're making conscious decisions. And because you're making conscious decisions based on a process, you can then evaluate the result and say, okay, I didn't like that result. What are the things I did? I recognized the emotion. I decided, okay, I decided to get up and walk away. Oh, and that got me fired. Okay, maybe I ought to rethink that next time. Maybe I should just sit yeah. there stone face, right? Whatever. Right. You get to at right. least make an evaluation as to be like, how'd that go so bad? How many times have we done that? Like, boy, that went sideways fast. How did that happen? Anybody have a clue? <laughs> Yeah. A process allows you, a thought process allows you to go back and evaluate what drove that initial action. Yeah. yeah, excellent. I mean, it's like almost like if we're, you know, if there's a fire, you know, and if you don't try to put out that fire, it's like the fire is just going to keep burning. Right. It's like right. some sort of situation at home or at the office, like, you know, jump in. You know, I mean, even if you don't know, taking action, even if you don't know exactly what you're going to say or do, but just getting involved and putting yourself in that place, things begin to move around and change. Or instead of just ignoring the fire, hoping it doesn't burn you and the rest of the house down, you know, that's not going to really help. And a lot of other people are going to suffer. So I, I tell you what, th th that is exactly right. And it can, there can be a fine line, but I'll, yeah. I'll give a quick combat example. Right. And this is when I was in the SWAT teams I was in. We were doing an option and we were just clearing a house. Right. And all of a sudden there was a lot of variables in front of us. Right. There was a bad guy. There was a lot of uh, areas that weren't being covered and that you could feel the tension and it just stopped. And I kind of came in the room following up the rear and you sense it. And I just yelled, do something, snapping everybody out of it and moving. Right. And to your point, then good things started happening. Right. Then training kicked in back again. Right. Yeah. And everybody's like, okay, right. right. It was just caught. So the idea of action is it's, it's essential. You, you eventually have to make a decision to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right. right John, you, John, you, re you recognize that example, right? Oh, I'm sure. Oh yeah, totally. hundred percent, man. Saw, yeah. I, I unfortunately saw that more, more times than I like to think of. And I was a part of that, you know, I, I froze at times. So hundred percent. So, yeah. uh, Errol, man, uh, great show. If, if people wanted to get a hold of you, I'm going to put your, your company, um, website up here so people can see that. But, other than that, if uh, people wanted to get a hold of you, 
what's uh, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, what's the best way for them to learn more about what you're doing with Wim Hof, what you're doing with uh, Leader 193, everything else? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the, the website's pretty comprehensive, leader193.com. You know, Instagram, we have some fun on there. I'm at leader193. Um, the, you know, I, I would ask people just to kind of pay attention this weekend. Uh, I'm going down. I got invited to the Barefoot Country Music Festival in New Jersey to get on the main stage on Saturday, uh, you know, before Carrie Underwood and John Party get on and <laughs> to kind of provoke. It pretty pretty awesome, right? Yeah, so, man, that's beautiful. We're, we're promoting uh, this TBI kind of initiative. I partnered with this doctor that I told you about, and uh, we, we've combined efforts. We've put out a petition uh, for people to sign that will go directly to your Congress people, directly to your senator, and to the office of the president um, to say, look, we you all need to pay attention to this new non-pharmaceutical TBI therapy, okay? Yeah, nice. Because We've paid for it. Okay, you government have the money. Now start using those funds correctly. So I would ask people uh, on my website, there's my journey with TBIs on there. There's a petition if you could do that. And if, if maybe pay attention a little bit this week, uh, this weekend on Instagram, you know, we're going to be kind of promoting that at the uh, at the music festival. So those are the places. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah, well, it. And, and if anyone out there doesn't know what TBI is, it stands for traumatic brain injury, right? So just so you know, to keep everybody on the whole. Um, but th thank you, Harold. Beautiful. Uh, great to speak with you today. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this wisdom and knowledge. And really, um, everybody, go, go out and get that book. You want to be a better leader at home or at the office, get Errol's book, The Process, Art, and Science of Leadership. I really enjoyed learning from it. Uh, I've got a lot out of it, um, you know, listening to the book and, and, and taking notes and also reflecting on areas of my life where I could have done things a little bit better based on your process. So great to have you on Tara Errol. Thank you so well, much for joining us. And, and let me express my appreciation to both you and John, A, for inviting me on, but B, for really preparing and, and, and re clearly reading the book. Um, yeah. Trust me, I've been, on a, I've been on a couple of these where that hasn't happened and it's like, come on, what are we doing? So guys, I appreciate it. And it just made for, you know, I think a, a really, a really uh, great conversation. So thank you. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. I love right what on. you're doing. Thanks yeah. brother. So yeah, that said, um, again, I know you've got a timeline, so we'll just run a quick grounding practice and then we'll wrap up the show brother. And uh, once I hit um, stop and, you know, plays through that last little scene, hang tight for one minute. And then we'll, we'll, all right. So that said, let's uh, get comfortable again in what is safe for you. Uh, if closing your eyes is safe and comfortable, go ahead and do that. And then based on the conversation that we had today, we talked a lot about emotions. So let's just take stock in what emotions you may be feeling in your life right now. Take stock in what may be causing you pain, heartache, stress, anxiety. Don't judge anything, but just notice it and be aware of that emotion. And by being aware of that, perhaps we can process it later. You can talk to somebody, think about taking that emotion and talking to someone about it or letting them know that is why you're outwardly expressing yourself in a certain way. Just be aware of that. Give yourself 10 seconds of just complete silence with that emotion. 
now carry that knowledge of that emotion forward in your day. And again, now you can, now that you have that knowledge, now that you've given yourself the space and time to be aware of it, now you can process it. And let's close with one deep cleansing breath together. Begin by breathing out all your air. Breathe in deep through your nose. Hold it at the top and release. And on your own time, go ahead and blink your eyes open, bring your awareness to the time and space that you're in. And here we are wrapping up another show with Men Talk Mindfulness. Errol, fantastic show. Thanks again for being here. Uh, next week, we've got a special show actually on Tuesday, uh, the 24th, 12.30 Eastern, right here again on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. That'll be with James Nestor. And, and Errol and Will and I had a big conversation about James Nestor and his book, Breath, before we hit record on this show. So check it out. We'll be here live. Tuesday, the 24th special show, 12.30 Eastern uh, with James Nestor with talking about his book, Breath. And uh, that is a wrap. Will, Errol, you got anything last closing uh, comments? Peace. Uh, I was, uh, I was uh, living in exhilaration, John, from such a wonderful show with Errol. That's my 10-second <laughs> moment there. Uh, hey, if you guys really enjoyed the show, uh, take that screenshot, share with your community. Let's grow more mindfulness, bring more mindfulness to more people's lives, bring more mindfulness and uh, to, to, to more of the masses and men talking mindfulness. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And Harold, great, great, go. great to meet you and have Thanks, fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. It was wonderful learning from you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining Will and John on Men Talking Mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share it with your friends and family. And please, we would appreciate a review, too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.